What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a fellow co-founder in the 10X Incubator, Shaba Shams. She's an international speaker, author, serial entrepreneur. She's born and raised in Algeria, North Africa, but she lives in the US now. Shaba mixes East and West flavors in the work she does. She is the best-selling author of The Power of Elite Interviews. She is the NBCE winner of The Knowledge Test, and she appeared on a number of media outlets, including the Algerian TV, Shrook, the Canadian TV Outliers show, and Shaba is the co-founder of Kittable the marketplace that connects kitchens to table from around the globe. And that's, of course, one of the 10X Incubator companies. And her mission is to empower 10 million households to connect with the consumers worldwide through Kittable. Shaba, welcome to the What Are You Made Of podcast. Well, hello, C-Rock. And it's so good to be with you. And hello, citizens of the world, wherever you are. Um, so grateful and so blessed to be here. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, well, definitely. Thank you for being here. And I accept that gratitude. You know, look, we always start the show with the same tradition, which is ask this question right here. What are you made of? Ooh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so I am made of authenticity and I am made of being authentic to myself and living up to my dream. What is my fullest potential? And I push myself to the limit. I love that. You know, that fits right in with what I talk about all the time, of course, right? Going after your potential, which we have no idea how far that goes. And that's why we have to set big goals, big dreams and go after it, not let anything limit us. I love all that, what you just said. And I know that about you from knowing you and being on a call with you every morning on our 10X Incubator calls. So give me an idea of like, like, take me back a ways, like growing up, like, what was it like growing up for you? Where, like in North Africa, I guess, when you were a little girl, right? So what was it like? Well, I mean, I'm probably not your typical guest that comes into your show because I'm from a different world, literally. I come from Africa, which is a third world country for choice of better words. So the landscape is different. The culture is different. And then being a woman, I think I grew up with a lot of challenges, just where I had to literally constantly work harder, 20, 30 times harder than my brother, for instance just to establish myself when everything for him was kind of a given. So being a female in a third world country under a patriarchal society, I really had to build thick skin because nothing that I was doing was good enough. So was it a good or bad thing or a good thing? I don't, I think it really built me into becoming the person that I am. So I don't take anything for granted. And I always push myself harder and harder because that's pretty much how I was raised. Like they say, what doesn't you know, kill you, make you stronger? Definitely, it was applied for me. So I had a lot of challenges growing up just to have access to education, have access to work, have access to anything. I felt like I was fighting on a daily basis to build the Shabbat that you see today. 
What's a patriarchal society mean? Well, a patriarchal society is uh, made by men for men. So pretty much men have more power, more rights, more status than their fellow females. So you can see that actually from childhood where the boy or the man in the household is treated as the senior, the king of the household, where the female is the underdog or the second class citizen. So growing up, literally, I had to serve my brother and I had to be under the wing of my brother, which wasn't fair because we were both kids. And yet I grew up in a society that valued male more than the female side. So for us female who got into education and becoming independent women, it was really, really hard. So we had to really break through all the holdbacks and the challenges of this patriarchal society and exist. So I grew up in an Italian household and an Italian family. And I noticed that in the Italian family as well. Like, you know, I remember my dad, like when he wanted more to drink at dinner, he would take his glass and just like hold it up to my mom like this. Yeah. And like, so I'm all about women empowerment and getting people that, you know, bringing people to the table that have never had opportunities or have been suppressed and not just women, all people, because my mission is all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And, but I'm wondering, and I'd have to do more research on this myself, but what do you think the reason for that was back in the day? And do you think there was any benefit to, and again, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just being inquisitive here because I always wonder like, why did they have that like that in the first place? What was the positives to it in a patriarchal or patriarchal society? why, Why would they have done that in the first place? Was there any benefit to it besides the negative, which we all know what the negatives are? Well, I mean, let's face it, let's go back a little bit in history of how the organization of the family, the community, the society was established in the first place. I mean, male empowerment has always been in place and male entitlement has always been in place and it was carried and it's still carried even in modern times where really the male to ensure its authority, power, control, they have to eliminate the females. And and then, I mean, just let's face it, even in the United States, there are some clubs that are just like the boys club that we call the boys club, right? right. And some environment that's really hard, even in entrepreneurship, startups, for instance, there are so many different areas in life that has been solely dominated, uh, like we say, men, by men, for men. Well, the reason is because the foundation of humanity has been considering male as the upper dog in a way, the provider, the fighter. But why? But why? Well, why was it that way? (laughs) My goodness, I think we need to go back to the dark ages when the male were fighting and the women were staying behind in their huts worried about. That's it. That's it right there. Think about that for a second, though, because. Like when you look at it, men have like a, a certain strength that women don't, and women have a certain strength that men don't. And so we have strengths and weaknesses. And finding our doing this the right way, finding our strengths and weaknesses and using those to develop everybody towards a, a main goal, so to speak. But I guess back in the day when there was wars and battles, men would go off and the women would have to stay home with the family and take care of the kids and serve the kids. And then when the men came back home, or when they were out hunting, they came back home. And the women would take care of them and make sure that they were prepared to go back to battle. And and basically what it leads down to, what it sounds like to me, and I could be misinterpreting this, but don't you think it comes down to survival? Like it's all centered around survival because if the men didn't go out and do that, they thought, and I don't know if this is right or not, I'm just saying what they thought, 
they thought they'd have to go out there for survival to protect the family, protect the town, protect the village. And when they didn't, then they would get demolished and taken over. And then that led to the women having to take care of the kids and household. That's probably where it stemmed from. But now we don't have to worry about that as much, right? Well, I mean, women by nature, they are the uh, the childbearing and the nurturing and the household person who keeps things together. So I believe that in the beginning, as the division of labor was coming up, you know, in a very organic way, the men went out hunting and the women stayed behind to cook and take care of the kids. It was just like what society and community has started off doing. I don't think that women were given a chance early, like speaking of like from a historical standpoint, early on to prove what they're made of, because whenever they were given a chance or they stepped into that landscape, they proved themselves as fighters, as warriors, as engineers, as scientists, as everything. And I think there is a challenging aspect for male that they want to keep certain environments away from women because, you know, let's face it, you know, like the the locker room talk and the locker room talk culture. So I believe that women and men, they like to have their spaces within their own gender in certain areas or aspects. And that kind of eliminated the chance for the other gender that to come in. However, I don't know if you've noticed, but I do watch some movies, like I'm, I'm a movie geek sort of thing. And I have noticed in more recent movies that we have been seeing, women have been portrayed more as really going out there physically, being stronger and being kick-ass women, fighters and so on. So that is something that puts a smile on my face because we're really changing the way we perceive women as being the weak and the afraid and the, oh, we we need to be sheltered under the wing of the man. And we're saying, no, we can do it all and we can have it all. And if men are not willing to give us a chance, we're just going to step into it and do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Great take on it. All right. So now, so then from there, how did you leave Africa? Well, it was under a very turmoil situation in the late 90s that began in my country where we have a lot of terrorism, maybe some, some other conversations. Is, is it a majority Muslim country? Right. Yeah. yeah, is yeah. It, okay. I got you. And, yeah. is, and there, I mean, are there... Are there Christians and Muslims there and Jews? Yeah, there is, there is everything. In fact, through thanks to Clubhouse, we're discovering we have a very good-sized demographic of Algerians who are atheists and agnostics, but we don't say it. So they hide behind like fake profiles and they are- But, 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 women, but, also, but also Christians and Jewish people as well there? Oh, yeah. And yeah, then are, are any, any of them suppressed? Oh, yeah. Everybody's suppressed when you are in a majority of whatever it is, you know. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Majority is Muslim, so they do not even understand that there are Christians and Jews. And and it really saddens me because Algeria, North Africa was built on originally paganism. So my original people were actually pagans. And then it moved through the waves of history with embracing Christianity. And we have a huge demographic or population of Jews that left the country when Algeria became independent from France. But the traces are there. However, because of the way the government was set up, everybody became an Arab, which I'm not. (laughs) You know, clearly I'm not an Arab, but the government labeled everybody as Arabs, everybody as Muslims, taking away that diversity that we had before and trying to paint Algerians as one. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. 
That's mikecroc.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. So as a result of that, we lost our ability to be flexible, acceptant to other religions. Something, for instance, my husband is Syrian. And in his country, they have all religions. They have all walks of life. And they have more acceptance and more tolerance towards people from different religion beliefs. In my country, we don't have that because the government, it was a dictatorship and it forced us all to be one size, one box fits all. And it's really sad because we lost our diversity and ability to relate to each other. Now, how many languages do you speak? Four. So English, what else? I speak Amazir, which is my native, my mother tongue. And Amazir is the original inhabitant of North Africa. We were there for centuries and everybody came and invaded us. What is that? What is that? What is that similar to though? Like, is it? it, It's similar to itself, you know, Amazir language, tradition, culture, you know, is is different. And we are, we have four groups in the Amazir ethnics. And I think the most famous one is the Tuareg, like the car. Mm-hmm. Um, are the, the nomads who live in the south and they kind of move around in t- tents and camels. So I speak English, Arabic, Amazigh, and French. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Which one's your favorite to talk? Um, to I think I love them all. They're part of who I am. You know, I call myself. Which, but which one's your favorite? Which one's your favorite though? You had to say. Well, I love to sing in Arabic. <laughs> okay. Well, like then we'll, we'll... I like to express myself in English and I dream in English, believe it or not. My mother tongue, I don't use it as much, but it has kind of, I think, I'm really lame at it. I don't think I have a favorite, Sirach. What do you, what I, do you, when you say a cuss word, which language do you say it in? <laughs> That's a good one. What's your, what's your favorite cuss word? Probably the F word. <laughs> so it's English. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. Yeah, the so then. word has to be like one of my best curses. So, so where did you go? Uh, where did you go basically after leaving North Africa? I came to Champaign-Urbana in Illinois, and I was very fortunate because they have a really good school there. So I spent 11 years, and I attended the university, and I got two masters. The first one was in French studies, and the second one was in library and information science. So it was really a blessing for me to be living in a small campus town where I was raising my kids while going to school. And so it was really a great experience from that standpoint. Awesome. So now let's talk, let's talk to us about your new tech product, your platform that you have with the 10X Incubator, Kittable. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. Tell us um, about it. What's going on with it? What is it? So what is it? I have to give you like a little background to the story. Why is it first? Yeah, yeah. because so, pitch us. We want you to pitch us. Pitch my audience <laughs> on what it is. So two to three years when I came to the States, at that time I was living in Illinois, I wanted to start a catering business in a food industry. And I had the licensing and everything, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And the regulation in Illinois is a little different at the time. And I thought that I had to have a certified kitchen and I dropped thousands of dollars doing just that. And I was doing wholesale. So I cannot you know, tell you how much you need to sell off any little thing you make on wholesale to make a living. It was really tough. Fast forward some four years ago, I came to Florida And then I'm like, you know, I love Florida. They have a lot of, you know, farmer's markets and opportunities for cottage food industry. And I started looking into it and I'm like, wow, the law is Florida is amazing. First of all, they do not require any certification or permits for cottage food operations. And then two, 
you can actually make for up to $250,000 income selling your baked good. So I started kind of thinking about it. And here I am like looking into the different foods that I enjoy eating, you know, like the parties that I go to that they serve Pakistani or Indian food. And, and here I am asking about who's making the food and all that. So all of this kind of the seeds were planted that I have a passion for food. I love feeding people. And here is an industry that allow people to do just that. So instead of getting into the cottage food operation myself, I'm like, what can I do? What can I do to empower these families who do not speak English, who don't have degrees, you know, to get an education, who have kids at home, who want to start a brick and mortar business, but they don't have the funds for it. So I was looking at all this need. And most importantly, you as a foodie, you know, somebody who eats and myself, what can I do to help you eat Greek or Italian or whatever it is that you're craving from someone who makes it from home? Because the whole idea of home around the corner was so important to me. And I was fortunate to meet Jared Yellen at a business boot camp with Grant Cardone back in June, I believe. And oh my God, when I met him, Siroc, my gut was telling me that this, you know, connection was meant to happen. It's like all of this, the years, the many years that I've been reflecting and contemplating this industry, now I have the opportunity to bring it to life. So talk to Jerry Yellen, pitched him as he was literally leaving. Yeah. The, so what I want you to do right now, I want you to tell us what you said. You only had 60 seconds because he was on the run. <laughs> what, was the, what did you say in that 60 seconds? It was actually less than 60 seconds because I was like intimidated when he said, oh, I am heading out to, to Grant Cardone's dinner and you got 60 seconds. And I'm like, okay, let me freaking make it quick. And I said, okay, you know, people who have exotic, you know, food, like ethnic food from their countries, and they don't have a way to sell it to the consumer. I want to build a technology that connects these people, you know, the cottage food people. I didn't call it cottage food at the time, like people who cook from home to the people who want to consume it. And he's like, I like it. So then I sent him an email with more details. And then he responded, I love it. And then we set up a time for a longer pitch. And I got an offer on the spot, which apparently it was out of 9,000 pitches at the time. I was the first one who got a yes to partnership with an idea on a napkin. So that I was crying, literally, like the moment is unbelievable. That's awesome. So, so at the end of the day, what's the vision? What's the grand vision for this? Like, what, if, what needs to happen with it for you to, like, if you found out right now that it happened, that would light your butt up, like you'd be like, just amazed. What is it that has to happen? What's that vision? Wow. I mean, I really, I don't see Kidobot as just like, oh, it's an app or a web to connect two parties. For me, it's, it's an entire ecosystem. It's how you disrupt the way we eat, like similar to what Airbnb have done. So I want to see it in every household, picturing packaging of Kidobot and, you know, uh, delivery services on Kidobot and just making life, making life for millions of families worldwide, so easy for them just to focus on creating and cooking and baking and connecting to consumers wherever they are. And I also want the consumers to be so excited. It's like, oh my God, I want to eat some, you know, Greek food or some whatever. And they go to that platform and they're connecting and we're keeping them safe because we're providing them 
so much information about what's in their food. The other thing is people want now move more into the, the local and the organic and the, the sustainable. So we want also to promote all those aspects. That's why I say Kitabol, it's a whole ecosystem that we're building. Love it. I love it. Well, of course, I'm rooting for you and we'll do whatever we got to do to help elevate it as well. And so where's the best place for our like audience to, to connect with you or engage with you or find out more? Well, Shabbat Shams, uh, my handle on Instagram is probably the, the best platform. And that handle, I am connecting to Cottage Kitchen Startup that I am building to support these families get started. And then Kittable also is coming together on Instagram. And we're hoping to build this network and add in more vendors and users and kind of just create excitement around food. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you for being here, Shaba. You are a great guest and you're on to something and you're crazy. So, which is, that's our combination that we always look for in the 10X Incubator, right? So thank you for being here. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. And let me tell you something, Shaba's just like me. She is just absolutely inexorable. And uh, go check her out. Go check Kittable out. Keep an eye out for it. If you like homemade food, like, you know, come on, Italian food, like you got to find really good Italian food. Sometimes people like where they live, they can't find good Italian food, the good bread. This is going to be awesome for that is what I'm looking forward to as well. So guys, keep coming back. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to watch these, go to YouTube, check out Mike C-Rock, Scirocco. These are all put up on my YouTube channel and just keep an eye out for Blueprinted, which is the new tech platform that we're putting out from the 10X Incubator that's going to show people how to do things step-by-step, granular detail, achievement, get results, blueprinted. Till next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you, that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.